HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Appeal, helping you enjoy your fruits and vegetables at peak freshness and reduce food waste. Learn more at appeal.com. Looking each person in the eye and saying, every single one of you, no matter what you do, we now can let people who are generous, our guests, know that you're a part of their meal. Whether you're cleaning plates, whether you've made the bathrooms really sanitary, whether you created consistent, delicious, perfect plate of food, whether you prep the vegetables always in the same size, whether you go to the table and tell a story, or you are kind and gracious to a guest, Every single person is a part of it. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Dylan Hoyer, a producer for Heritage Radio Network. Today we're asking, can restaurants end the division between front and back of house? We look at a new concept designed to make restaurant workers pay more equitable, regardless of their position on the staff. Diners and industry veterans alike are familiar with front and back of house. This is called heart of house. You just heard from Jessie Cool, who designed and implemented the concept at her Bay Area restaurant, Flea Street. And I've been in the restaurant business since 1976. The first establishment she founded was the first organic restaurant in the country. And in the four decades since then... My restaurants have always been committed to what I often call the customer comes last. Jessie has prioritized sustainability and seasonality in her menus. She cares deeply about where her food comes from, and furthermore, who grows it, who cooks it, and who serves it. When we started in the 70s, you know, kind of the end of the, of the love child era, some call it the hippie time, people were more attached to these values, even though we were far from trendy. In fact, many called us lunatic fringe. While many of Jessie's ideals are now mainstream, she has found herself longing for the days when she started out, when she felt as though she and her staff were united by the work they did. Over time, this seemed to slip away. I was gradually feeling an inequality that actually made me unhappy in my own restaurants. There was a division between what is called the front of the house and the back of the house, the kitchen and service, that was becoming more and more 
divided. The biggest schism between front and back of house is rooted in pay. And more specifically, it stems from tips. Front of house staff receive the majority of tips, while back of house is paid a flat rate. Jesse explains how this disparity has played out at Flea Street. Only front of the house made minimum wage, which in California is about $15. And the back of the house made much more because we were just trying to to pay them what the front of the house were able to make through tips or service charge. So here in California, in my restaurant, which is fine dining, the front of the house made anywhere from 40 to $60 an hour, sometimes more. And they worked less hours, six hours a day. The back of the house or the kitchen typically worked at least eight hours, sometimes more, though they got paid overtime. And they're a high rate of pay for, for back of the house, from the dishwasher to line cooks to sous chefs to pantry cooks. The production crew made anywhere from $19 an hour to $33 an hour. So take-home pay for the front of the house used to be anywhere from 70000 a year to up to 150000 a year, sometimes more in certain parts of the country. Back of the house, think about this, if they're making $19 an hour, which that's a dishwasher, we pay dishwashers $19 an hour, that's anywhere from about $38,000 a year to maybe mid or high 50s. Restaurants are infamous for their slim profit margins. So finding the money in a restaurant budget to increase hourly rates is difficult, if not outright impossible. Because there are only three ways of adding on to our operational costs. And our operational costs are labor, food, and mine is higher. My food cost is higher because we buy all organics. My labor is higher because we try to pay people fairly. And then everything else that goes into the operations of a restaurant, rent, linens, um, you know, equipment. And the profit margin, if we're lucky, bottom line is anywhere from 3 to 5%, which means 3 to $5 on every $100. To find the money for higher wages, customers will have to foot the bill. But there are different ways to increase consumer costs. One option is simply making the food more expensive. Which is what Danny Meyer did with the no-tipping system. And the no-tipping system means you charge more for food. Danny Meyer, the founder of Shake Shack and Union Square Hospitality Group, started to abandon tips at his restaurants five years ago in an attempt to control and equalize how much money employees were making. And while he's continued to organize with one fair wage to advance this cause... Over the summer, Meyer reversed his policy to boost wages during the pandemic. Tipping is the most common way to increase a restaurant's budget for labor costs. Which is a voluntary way that a guest adds a little bit to what we charge for all of our expenses. Another option that some restaurant operators have is to add a service charge. Which is not automatic. It's, it's added to your guest check anywhere from 15 to 25 percent. And then the business gets to divide that amongst their staff. Whether service charge is a possibility for increasing revenue depends on what state you're in. In California, where Jesse operates, it works as she describes. A charge is automatically added to a diner's bill and the operator decides how to divide the money among staff. 
This element of autonomy for operators is a crucial difference between service charge and tips. Tips in California do not all go to the front of the house, but as the law reads it, the greater percentage is to go to the front of the house or service than the back of the house production. In New York, Danny Meyer has been an advocate of adding service charge and decided to eliminate tips in lieu of such a policy. Just over a month ago, restaurants in New York were granted permission to add an optional 10% surcharge to their guest checks. This allowance was passed by the city council directly as a result of the pandemic. It's meant to cover the costs of providing PPE to staff, offering hand sanitizer to guests, or expanding outdoor seating. Initially intended to remain in place for just 90 days after the start of indoor dining, a new bill proposes to keep a 15% surcharge in place permanently. And this time, the policy is targeted at pay. Employing the surcharge would require a restaurant to pay all their staff a minimum wage of $15 an hour. We are hoping that the law changes, by the way. Just like Danny Meyer in New York is hoping that the law for service charge changes for him, we are hoping that the law for tipping changes in California so we can be have more control and be more fair to every single person who is a part of producing the delicious, beautiful food that we put in front of you. The pandemic has caused a major shift in the policy decisions and personal choices surrounding a restaurant's operations. It's changed how Jesse has approached California's service charge. When COVID hit, with everything swirling and everything just changing more than ever in my 44 years of ups and downs in this industry. A few things happened. Pay equity struck Jessie as a more pressing issue than ever, and she decided to take advantage of California's service charge policy to put a new pay structure into action. Everybody made $15 an hour. Everybody got an equal part of the service charge. Per hour, we gathered together all the service charge of 20% that came in through a two-week period. We divided it by the number of hours that everybody worked, and then we were able to add on to each person's hourly rate, whatever that number is. And it ranges between $12 and $18 an hour added on to their $15. The divide between front and back of house was eliminated, and the way people were paid and in Jesse's broader approach to operations. This is what she calls heart of house. So what we did first was decide that we were all one. We were heart of the house. We were not back of the house. We were not front of the house. Most of Jesse's staff have not only seen their pay change, but their roles have shifted too. Cooks on the line are still primarily focused on preparing meals. But now they help with cleaning dishes too. So do the pastry chefs and servers. Jesse's chef de cuisine helps bag food and bring it to people's cars for pickup. He also serves food to those dining outdoors. Her bartender now arrives three hours before his shift to prep the kitchen and set up for outdoor dining, and he takes turns cleaning the bathroom. Front of house staff used to work less hours for more money. Now they're incentivized to take on new responsibilities to earn more. And for me, I have to say, I became somewhat obsessed with it because it was the first time in nearly two decades that I felt hope, that I felt like in my little restaurants, we could 
possibly build a new model of change. Jessie is inspired by the sense of togetherness. It's aligned with her sustainable approach to restaurant service that begins with where the food is grown and who it's harvested by and extends to the people who prepare meals at Flea Street, serve it to guests, and wash the plates afterwards. So we thought that was a heart space. But for those who are led more so by the mind or by their money, rather than by the spirit of unity, Jesse believes Heart of House can work for them too. We are able to lower payroll. My payroll is up to 42 to 46%, which is impossible. And by lowering the wages of the kitchen staff and keeping the front of the house the same, they were always making minimum wage, my payroll dropped by almost 10 points, 10%. My payroll dropped by almost 10%. The cost for an operator decreases, the pay for back of house increases. It's servers who are sacrificing the most. And I have to say that this is very challenging because when people are making good living, the front of the house, if the system changes, somebody's going to make less. Jessie is comfortable with what she's asking of her staff. And ultimately, she's eager to rid her restaurant of what she sees as a sense of entitlement that's built into the benefits front of house workers are used to. She believes Heart of House levels the playing field without disincentivizing team members. And people say, well, if everybody gets paid the same and everybody gets the same amount of the tip, what about motivation? What about people wanting to move up through the system? Part of Heart of the House is, rather than the front of the house all automatically getting paid more money just because of position, we as ownership have the opportunity, because remember, our payroll just went down about 10% or more. We have the opportunity to pay the people who are hard workers, loyal, dedicated, really motivated. We as ownership pay them more. I have two people on the staff right now who are paid more hourly. They're not paid $15 an hour. Our extraordinary bartender is now paid $20 an hour. Our amazing host is now paid $18 an hour. We have people in the kitchen who will take leadership once we open. They'll get paid a few more dollars per hour. In many regards, Jesse faces an uphill battle. Changing the model for pay structure means getting staff members on board, educating guests about service charge, and spreading the word to other operators. It requires changing more than pay. It necessitates changing attitudes. But as the pandemic rages on and the hospitality industry is required to make one pivot after another to keep their doors open, rethinking policy and pay may be exactly what is called for. Thanks for listening to The Big Food Question. Stick around to hear what makes our show possible. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Here at HRN, we care about reducing waste across our food system, from farms to home kitchens. We know that about half of the produce we grow ends up in the trash. We all want to enjoy produce at peak freshness and reduce the amount that gets thrown away. That's where Appeal comes in. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. It's edible, invisible, and imitates how peels naturally protect fruits and vegetables. 
Because here's the thing, less waste doesn't just mean we're throwing less food away. It also means we waste less water, energy, and other resources that go into growing produce. Appeal works with nature to reduce waste across the food system from the farm to the kitchen. Appeal helps us conserve our precious resources to ensure we have fresh food to meet our growing need. Appeal. Food gone good. Learn more at appeal.com. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. Special thanks for this episode to Jesse Cool. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Kat Johnson, Hannah Forden, Dylan Hoyer, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, and Kevin Chang Barnum. This episode's executive producer was me, Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer for this episode is Kevin Chang Barnum. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support for the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.